called the fake news the enemy of the people, and they are. It's a serious question. I, I appreciate your passion. I share it. I've addressed this question. I've addressed my personal feelings. And I want you all to know that we are fighting the fake news. You're listening to Just Ask the Question, Adventures in Reporting with your host, Brian Karam. So welcome back to Just Ask the Question. I am Brian Karam, the host of the show, and glad to have with me today Alice Stewart. Alice, I'm going to ask you to give a little bit of your background before we go into it. I know that you work for Governor Mike Huckabee, and I know that you have uh, you are a political analyst at CNN. But for everyone who doesn't know, tell us more about yourself. A uh, little background. I started out as a journalist. I was a news anchor and reporter. You have my forgiveness. <laughs> and, and my condolences, I, The too. question is, did I leave the dark side or join the dark side? <laughs> that's the question I'm always asked. A news anchor and reporter in, in Savannah and Little Rock, and that's where I got to know the great Mike Huckabee. And I actually, he was governor, and I actually trained him for his first marathon. So we got to know each other on a outside of the political reporting world. And then I went to go work in this governor's office as his uh, communications director when he was governor. And then he ran for president in 2008. I was his press secretary on that campaign. And since then, I've uh, worked in radio and consulting. I was the deputy secretary of state in Arkansas. And in 2012, I was comms director for Michelle Bachman and Rick Santorum and in this cycle with uh, Ted Cruz and so welcome back to uh, wonderful DC the swamp that everyone wants to drain but uh, it is great (laughs) to be here so just ask the question I'll tell you the history of that is the first person I met in the White House press briefing room was Helen Thomas she's great and Helen told me as a young reporter she said Brian it doesn't matter if your questions get answered. Just ask the question because once it's asked, it's on the record, and they can't deny that the issue is before them. So that's where we get. So kudos to Helen, and that's why we we named the show that. And so with that in mind, I'll just ask the question. And the question is, in today's day and age, looking beyond Donald Trump or even with Donald Trump, is there a way to heal the divisiveness in politics in the U.S. between the right and the left? Do you think see it because you i've seen some of the tweets that you get and some of the nasty comments made you and i get the same from the other end well i get them from all ends but right right. but it's just the bitterness and the nastiness how do you cure that right i i think there's always a partisan divide there's always uh hard feelings and harsh words i i will acknowledge that it's at a heightened level uh over the past couple of years and it's unfortunate that we have gotten there but at the end of the day people are passionate about their issues they're passionate about what they want and what they expect out of Washington and I was recently speaking in in Germany about this very topic and they said to me you know is this the way it will be down the road is this the future of American politics where there's such uh, vitriol and name calling and backstabbing and I said I hope not I hope not. Well, we all hope not. Yes, but I, I do believe we'll get back to the the days of, of Ronald Reagan and elected officials who work together across the aisle and get things done. It's not about tearing the other one down to get um, your issues elevated. And it, we're, we're going through very emotional, uh, stressful times, but the civility and the tone of Washington needs to get back to where it's much more respectful. The, the people appreciate that. Yes, the people elected Donald Trump because he was 
different and he was someone that would shake things up and he would as he said drain the swamp and, and do it in in his own style in his own way and that's debatable whether that that has happened <laughs> but, but well you he, said that but, not i <laughs> but people knew what they were getting when they voted for him and he was elected into office and, but the, but him aside i mean let's uh, we can go and, and visit that issue in a minute but the the idea of I disagree with what you say, but will defend to death your right to say it has been a guiding. It's been a guidepost for this democracy since the beginning. But today, whether it's the left or the right, I disagree with what you say. You're wrong. You should die. I mean, that's it's become so hardened. How do you as a pundit deal with that? How does you how do you as a political analyst deal with that? And when when people tweet at you, you're a horrible person. Your 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 ideas are crap and everything you think is crap. How do you go back to him? How do you say, look, guys, uh, you know, it, it, we all don't have to agree on everything. We should agree on some things like what the country is about. But how we get to our goals, there's always many different ways to get there. Right. Well, as long as they, at the end of the day, agree that I'm right, then I'm OK with that. <laughs> <laughs> you can't be right because no, I'm no, right. No, I think the, <laughs> the, the, go to hell. the important the important issue is that we're having the conversation. And yes, often when people on Twitter automatically call me a name or call me all kinds of things, yes, we, uh, um, without going in there, I know this is a family show that you have, Brian. But, <laughs> well, but, it is a podcast, so it feel is, free. Exactly. <laughs> but I think as long as we're having the conversation and what I say till I'm blue in the face, let's agree to disagree. We'll, we're just simply going to have to disagree on this. And there's a, there's a, big difference between facts and feelings and i will not according to this administration i, I think it's important that if you have facts to back up your argument then you should be able to say that and if you view the, you know if you have a different opinion on the issue overall then you have to respect the fact someone has a different opinion on an issue but you can't dispute the facts. The facts are facts, and, and calling someone a name just because you're, the facts are not comfortable to you, that's where things get the off track. The ad hominem attacks, yes. I think, are up. But when you say uh, facts are facts, we're dealing in an age, and, it, you know, it, look, as someone coming from the GOP, I would be concerned with some of the stuff that's happening with the GOP because of Donald Trump. I mean, facts are facts. There aren't alternative facts. And I've seen you and heard you when you've said, no, this isn't right. And you've called a fact a fact when a fact is a fact. Right. Despite the fact that the president doesn't see it as a fact. Now, there are people who are going to give you grief and say you're a, you're a yes man for the president. I'm first to say I, I, I don't believe that. But it's okay to have differences of opinion. But how do you deal inside the GOP with someone who is, I, I mean, Trump was not a member of the GOP for many years, nor does he hold many, I mean, fair trade and free trade are two different things. Smaller government is the GOP's watchword. Some of the things that he brings about are not traditional GOP plank members, of you know, part of the plank of the GOP. Right. At the end of the day, what I, a lot of Republicans, as I said, wanted, they wanted someone that was not business as usual and would shake things up. And if you look at the policies that this president uh, ran on and won on, for me, life is... Uh, what policies did, you, did he for run For me, on? it was Sup Supreme Court. For, for me, the one that connected me with him, being able to vote for him, was the Supreme Court, 
his support for life, his support for Israel, and certainly his strong stance on immigration. Look, I gave up a year and a half of my life for a man that I truly believed in, uh, Ted Cruz, that would step up to the plate and would engage in conduct becoming of the President of the United States and did support all the policies that I support. Unfortunately, he didn't win the nomination. So at, after that, I had to decide life is an important issue. So therefore, Hillary Clinton was just not an option. So you... you the right to life. You, the right to life. Yeah, yeah the sanctity yeah. of life and um, protecting uh, the unborn. Well, that, that brings up two questions, as you say that, that, I, that swim around in my head from time to time. Um, how do you feel about what the president, how he has characterized women, grab them by the mm, and some of the disdain that he's shown for women? Does that bother you? It bothers me a lot. It, it sure does. And as a, a Christian conservative, I was a Christian conservative long before Donald Trump snuck in the back door of the church and ran to the pulpit. And <laughs> I, I don't think he's made it to the pulpit, but I, he certainly has used it. I, I don't condone that kind of language. I would not defend it. I never have, and I never would, and I've called him out on it on numerous occasions. I, I think... Which is uh, why you're not in the White House these days, because they're looking for help if you haven't heard. <laughs> just There's just no there's no place in our society for, for that kind of talk. But we knew that when he was running for office, and we knew about his... So it's just it, hold your nose and swallow, or... Take it, take for me as a Republican, I wanted someone that would support the issues that I supported, and Hillary Clinton was not an option. And was it, it was solely Donald because Trump of right to life? It, it was life, it was immigration, it was the support for Israel, it was his economic policies, it was re reining back federal government regulations, which would help the economy grow. I truly believed his experience as a businessman would be helpful to our economy. So there's a whole range of, of issues that, that and look, he, and he's, he's been support. successful on some. And of he them. has followed you, through on the Supreme Court, on yeah. Israel, on support for religious liberties is a, is a key issue for me. Uh, the, well, his religious liberties, I would call that into question because there have been questions as to whether he supports all religious liberties or just Christian religious liberty. Would you agree? That's a valid point. That's yeah. a valid point. I mean, However, being a, being a Christian, that's my support of him is based on his support for. Well, I was always liberty. raised as a Christian too. That you know, uh, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. So that begat a certain amount of tolerance for people who thought differently than I. You? That's that's correct. That's correct. As but as I said, as a a, a Christian who want to support an elected official that supports religious liberty, I will, I will support him. And I I, ideally, would it apply to all religions? Yes. But from my standpoint, he supports freedom of religion that, that I support. And so... But you wouldn't be supportive of someone saying, look, only Christianity and no other religion. Not, not Judaism, not, not uh, uh, Hinduism, Zoroastrian, whatever. Whatever anybody else wanted to practice, that's okay. Uh, Freedom of religion is freedom of religion, yeah. and freedom of speech is freedom of speech. And so we, we can't pick and choose, you know, how we want to to characterize and how should different rights. And how should religion play in government, in or out of government? 
Well, look, anyone who says their faith doesn't influence their politics, their faith is not important to them. So I, I do think that people that are elected into office— But are office, we a Christian nation? We are a Christian nation. You believe yeah, that yes. we're a Christian nation? I, I think we are a Christian nation, yes. Why? Uh, just look at the the makeup of religion, the religious beliefs of Americans, and Christian Christianity is, is at the top. I'm not saying there's not a place for other religions and other faiths to be practiced here, but Christianity is, is well, yeah, the number one here. That's my point. Yeah, that, that, that's I, yeah. one thing to say that either we're a nation that has a lot of Christian people, but it's another thing to say that we're a, a, a theology or a theocracy, or a, a nation that's built upon a faith. It's a nation that's built upon accepting all faiths. We're, yes. Yes, but we're as I said, we're we're a Christian nation, and if you look, as I said, the makeup of the religions and the faith of people across this country, Christianity is number one. Yeah. I'm not saying it, at the exclusion of others. I'm saying that just I, I based get it on, by numbers, where right. there are a lot of Christians in this country. But when people say, and maybe that's the definition of terms, when people say we're a Christian nation what people hear who aren't Christian is that we're a nation that is going to make laws based on our faith and exclude yours. No, it's a, it, if, you don't agree with that? I, or? I, I think this is, an, this is an, a topic of inclusion, not exclusion. And when we're talking about freedom of religion and we're talking about religions uh, in this country, we should include all religions. Right. And it's not about excluding anyone. It's about Allowing people to practice the religion of their choice. In so much as that we wouldn't want a nation based on Sharia law. Right. Most people would also not want a nation based upon the Ten Commandments on that law. Right? I think most Christians are, are supportive of the Ten Commandments. but Yes, but not in government. That's not... You disagree. Uh, there, are, there are many elected officials. Are you talking about displaying the Ten Commandments on the wall in a federal I, I, government building? I'm talking building? about it, uh, uh, excluding others of faith and going by, all right, the laws of the land are these Ten Commandments. No, the laws of the land are outlined in the Constitution. Right, so, so but it's not I'm a just theocracy. Right, right. I'm just talking about, I know many, many Christian conservatives who support the idea of displaying the Ten Commandments in a public courthouse or in a government building. But well, that doesn't mean those are the laws of the land. Well, and that's another, you know, if you're going to display the Ten Commandments, are you going to display the Koran? Are you going to display, I mean, the, and the Jewish faith is hip to the Ten Commandments. They actually gave us the Ten Commandments. So you may not find, uh, you know, uh, conservative uh, Jews arguing against that. But nonetheless, I guess at the bottom line, should there be decisions in government based on the rule of law or the rule of faith? In our government, it should certainly be the rule of law. Well, then there you go. Then yes. the rest of right. it is, okay. Uh, so moving on, we're talking about Donald Trump a little bit, and you had said that some of the things that he tried to do, uh, I famous, you, you, you called me on something I did earlier. He had just tweeted out that he was in the Oval Office waiting for people to come and visit him, and, and he's not in the Oval Office. And I shot a picture of that, and I tweeted it out, called him on his, on, on his lie. Does it bother you as a Christian that the President of the United States lies to us? It, of course. Of course it does bother me as Would a Christian. Would you vote for him today? As a, 
Now, I'm not saying if it were the replay of the 2016 election, I'm saying would he have your support today in a primary? Would you vote for Donald Trump? Well, we don't have a primary until 2020. Yeah, so, so I don't, I don't, go, I'm, not gonna, that? I'm not going to box into a hypothetical right now because we don't know what's going to happen with, with him well, and the field. But yeah, as a, not just as a Christian, it's troublesome that there are statements that come out of this White House that are factually inaccurate, but as an American, it's troubling. And, you know, for something like that, clearly he is trying to convey to his base that he's back at the White House and he's back here in Washington trying to work out a deal on this uh, wall and the shutdown while uh, others are out in their districts or in Hawaii or, or away. But the reality is this could have been handled two weeks ago. This could have been handled before the shutdown, and he, he had the the opportunity to do so, and it could have been resolved before we had a shutdown, but that didn't happen. But clearly what he's doing is he knows that in his mind, his I'm message... I'm not even going to pretend his, to know how his mind no, works. No, his, God bless you no, if you no, do. He will say this. He, he can't get his message communicated to his constituency correctly through the mainstream media so he uses twitter so in his mind he's conveying the message to his base i'm back here working trying to get this done the democrats are obstructionists they're not working with me that's what he's trying to do but i, I get that but when he complains that the mainstream media or the fake media or the and, and today he didn't even call us fake media just he did just say the news media mazel tov to him for saying that thank you for dropping that moniker but Nonetheless, he says the uh, the media won't put his message out. He's the only president could bring home troops after a victory and be given bad press for it. Yet, at the same time, he doesn't have news conferences. He closes the press room. There are no more press briefings. The press staff has tried to craft a message for him in the in the past, only to have it submarined by the big guy after they've spent an entire day trying to, to chart a path. And it's happened on more than one occasion. And so it's not communicating less to me. I mean, so the question there is, shouldn't he be communicating more with us rather than taking to 280 characters on Twitter? Right. But on that specific issue right there, the, the one specific tweet you mentioned of him saying only he can pull troops home and get bad press. Well, he got bad press because Republican military leaders and experts on foreign policy said that's not the right move to make. Tom Cotton, who I think is tremendous, he said that's not the wise move to make. So the negative press he has received is based in large part on Republicans who saw that's not what we need to be doing. So. It, I, th I just feel like this is one example where he can blame the media, he, the messengers, but it's the message that they were delivering that he doesn't like. And what the media was doing and those of us that were talking about it, many of us were conveying sentiments and, and ideas and thoughts from fellow Republicans who didn't support that. So it's easy. The media will always be an easy punching bag for politicians, and it's easy to attack them when you don't like what they're saying but on that specific instance he clearly would much rather use the media as a punching bag and a foil than acknowledge the fact that 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 idea and that proposal might have been a little premature so how does the gop deal with the president 
if you have that fundamental of a conflict with a guy from your own party. You, as exactly as they've done, you give it a few days to let the dust settle. You wait for a beautiful, sunny Sunday afternoon. You send Lindsey Graham to the White House, and you have a conversation, and you say, hey, let's talk about this a little bit. Let's, let's see if we can... Um, walk this back a little bit and maybe rethink this because despite what you have said, ISIS is not decimated, it's not gone, and we don't need to make a mistake like Barack Obama made. Or George Bush Or made. Bush, and let's make sure and get the job done before we pull these troops back or it will be counterproductive. So I think what we've seen the last few days on the Syria situation is a classic case of, of what has been done on numerous occasions, the, the president often will say something, whether it is a stream of conscious or it's something that someone may have mentioned to him, Rand Paul, and, <laughs> and he gets, he gets, anybody, he gets maybe a little ahead of his skis. And what I see is, you know, not necessarily walking it back, but rethinking it and realizing maybe we need to keep our guys there a little bit longer, finish the job, and then we can have the mission accomplished party. Well, that's, yeah, that would be after the mission is actually accomplished. You would right. want to have the mission. Right. Now, talking about a specific issue where he was influenced by someone, uh, Ann Coulter, uh, <laughs> we'll talk about immigration. Uh, he was ready to do a deal. And with all the rhetoric aside, and I've, look, I covered that border for many years. I know that border. You're not going to have, you could never have had a 1900 mile wall. It's not going to be see-through. It's not going to be eco-friendly. There are places where it needs to be reinforced. And, but there are other things that are really needed on the border that, um, falls under the title of border security. And so he was at a point where he was going to sign a CR and he agreed to some of the compromise. And then Ann Coulter said she'd leave him. (laughs) She'd break up with him. She'd never have anything to do with him again. And it turns out she had a lot of power with the president. And so he's now he's adopted this. Pharaoh's heart is hardened, as I say. And he's and he's adopted this instead of compromising, which is by many and all, all intents and purposes, a sign of real leadership when you're able to compromise with uh, those who think differently than you and you find a common path together. So where does it sit now? Do you do you think we're going to end up back where we were in the beginning? I do. And it's not just a sign of political leadership. It's also a characteristic you'd find in someone who might write a book called The Art of the Deal, just saying <laughs> hypothetically. Yeah, but, who but, is that guy? But, but to, to in the his point, defense, I heard to, he didn't write the book, but exactly. that's another story. But, but, but clearly, this was a signature campaign issue. Securing the border, building the wall, Mexico was going to pay for it. The very moment we realized Mexico was not going to pay for it, then he needed to rethink his strategy on how this was going to get done. And he should have been a little more willing on the front end to negotiate. When he sat down the first Chuck and Nancy meeting and they had the conversation and it appeared DACA was on the table to to negotiate and then evidently it wasn't, uh, that was troublesome. But now he got, he's gotten to the point to where the latest, he wanted $5 billion, they were good with $1.3, and no one would meet in the middle. And when it looked as though he may be caving, and I'll say this, and it, it's easy to beat up on Ann Coulter and, well, and yeah, Rush Limbaugh easy. and Sean Handy, but they are representative of his base of middle America, mainstream America, the Rust Belt, flyover country that voted for Donald Trump. And if he so quickly... 
caved. caved or negotiated, which I hate to say that it's caving when you're negotiating, which is how things get done. It, it gave Are the imp- you sure you're a conservative Republican? I am. <laughs> I am. Okay. But I'm this just is checking. not. This was not my issue with him. This I knew we would never get the wall that Mexico would pay for. So I. But, yeah. But everyone but, knew that. But the point is, they were reminding him, "This is your base that that will be not happy if you don't put your foot down and really show some type of." Uh, conviction and making sure you get the money that you want for this. I thought this would be ironed out before we had the shutdown, but I I commend them for saying, hey, you need to go to bat one more time for this. But we're at a point now to where we don't need to have a government shutdown for this wall. He he has agreed behind closed doors. He'll come off five billion. They can come up. We just need to to find a way to give the Democrats what they want so he can get what he wants. But if he hasn't gotten it in the first two years with Republicans in the House and Senate, I don't see how it's going to get done when the Democrats take over. And that's How do you have a, you know, he tweeted famously that, you know, a government shutdown is always the fault of the leader, him. And he was case. proud to do it. And he looked he, Chuck Schumer in the face and said, I will not blame you for the shutdown. And he has. <laughs> so do I believe anything this guy says? If there's video to back it up, maybe you can. <laughs> no, but he, the the reality is he clearly wants to make sure that he conveys to his base that he is fighting hard for this. Border security is critical to him. And today um, he has walked back so much saying this is all about a wall. Now he's saying this is more about border, border security, security, which right. I think that's the way to go. And if he sat down with the American people and said, you know, uh, I've evolved on this issue. I've talked with people on the border. I, I've talked with the elected officials and and farmers on the border. And this is actually a better way to do it. And we can, in order to get the votes from the Democrats we need, we need to provide protections for people with temporary uh, status and DACA recipients. That's how, he, that's how he could get out. And he would look like a hero. Yeah. He would look like a hero because he would get things done. And the Democrats would be o- okay with it. And he could say, check mark victory on border security, which was so important to which him. Which is, yeah, he, he wants a win. He right. wants a way out of this that he can say win. The Democrats want a way out of it. They can say win. It's called compromise. And I thought we were there 10 days ago. Right. And right. Ann Coulter shot her mouth off. And right. That's, and he got it in his mind that I, I think you're right. I think it goes back to he didn't want to cave too soon. So the base appreciates any movement that he made and he might get more out of it than the 1.3 he might but i i still say it was all so unnecessary it's all just so and it's a big to me having been down there the wall isn't going to stop people from coming over the problem the problem with drugs is because we have a demand for drugs in this country right so if you stop if you stem the flow if you're successful stemming any of the flow from the south then it just amounts to a tariff you're just going to increase the prices because the demand is still there, right. and and you'll end up with more violence because there's more money to be made. Right. So I don't know how effective the wall will be there as far as stopping gangs. Gangs are homegrown. I'm more worried about the Timothy McVeighs of the world than than you know. Uh, although I don't like criminals of any kind, but there. And then the idea of being able to stop people coming over. Most illegal immigrants are because they overstayed their visas. Right. And and I think I would like to think. You know, we're not going to be able to do the comprehensive immigration that all of that involves right now. I think, ideally, if House Republicans um, 
aren't negotiating and aren't able to get something done when Nancy Pelosi, she's made it clear, the first order of business is to pass a piece of legislation that will help open up the government. And then let's, then let's have these comprehensive immigration talks. Whether or not that gets accomplished remains to be seen. But yes, I've talked to, I've done radio shows on the border and talked to farmers. They say, yeah, we, they, you build a fence, they'll either build a tunnel underneath right. it or they'll drive right through it. Yes. So that's that's not the answer. I, I do think it became such a symbol of Donald Trump and his campaign, and it resonated with his people. I understand why he is so determined to show a wall or show some progress on that. But at this stage, we all realize it, it's not about a 2,000-mile wall on the border. It's It's infrastructure it's technology it's boots on the ground it's drones in the air and it's and how about our foreign policy which created this mess over the last 35 years in the south and central american countries we have to address that and that is the fault of every administration democratic or republic exactly republican that have held office and have created this this mess in some form or fashion that's what's frightening to me is that they don't even talk about how we've cre- we've helped to create the mess in this country, and uh, you talk about the uh, many of those people uh, are Christian. They're Catholics. They were that's and so I should think that at some point in time, as a Christian, there would be Christians that would be interested in helping those people out. I I do think though the bigger concern has become certainly we want to help those people and and we do help. We give countless millions of dollars to other countries. But the concern that I commend this president and m- many other Republicans have brought attention to the fact of that America is basically uh, rolling out the red carpet for people to come here and, and, in my view, take advantage of the system, and we have to stop that. And that's why he was so, I think, correct to uh, to put a focus on ending the catch and release program, ending chain migration, ending the visa lottery. And those are all policies that, yes, have been in effect through many administrations. And I commend the president for addressing those issues, which will help the overall, the, as I said, the welcome magnet for, welcome mat for people coming into this country, taking advantage of our system. Do you think we owe those people anything? Oh, the, People that come into the immigrants this, who come here. I think if if they're coming here to become citizens of this country and want to go about it the legal process, we we owe them all the. the what about the migratory labor? I mean, there was one point in time where there were seasonal labor passes. This was Reagan and and Bush. You said, look, you know, and I've covered that. People will come in and work. No, nobody wants to pay eight dollars for a head of cabbage right so right. or, or right. 15 bucks for a tomato right so there is that type of labor and then there's the horse circuit labor they come over and they work the horse circuits thoroughbred so you know the kentucky derby and and the triple crown and all that is aided by their uh, illegal immigrants and then there's construction where donald trump has hired illegal immigrants so the idea was to make a migratory pass so they could come through in the season and work and then go home now we're not even allowing that. The catch and release was one thing, but not allowing, not having that in our uh, repertoire, they say, is hurting us. Well, that, like you say, that hurts ourselves. You know, if, right. we, if we don't provide the, those opportunities for them to come here and work to provide for their families, it's, it's costing us. We're cutting off our nose to spite our face when we do that. So I think we need to have opportunities 
for them to come here, for farms to be able to uh, produce the the vegetables. Are you and, sure you're not a moderate Democrat? No, <laughs> I, I, believe me, I lived in Arkansas for many years. I, you know, this rice right. country and you know a lot of agriculture in, in Arkansas, and they rely on on that type of labor. And I, may, and I labor. may have been to a horse race or two that probably had migrants working in. Everyone you've ever gone to, <laughs> I guarantee it. But but I, I we do need. But as I said, they have to go about doing it the the legal way. And if if right, whether if, they're if we don't have the legal way to do it, if we don't have the mechanism set up to do it, how do we then? How how do we then take advantage of the labor and at the same time act as if they're enemies of the state? We I mean, big business thrives on that labor. We, we, it couldn't, as you said, it couldn't exist without it. Like, I don't want to spend $20 for a tomato. I mean, that's the labor that you need. So, I mean, big business creates it. We create it. And it's not a bad thing to have the labor. Somebody's got to do the work, right? Right. And I right. sure don't want to do it. I mean, I, I mean, I'd add, I would if you're going to pay me, you know, well enough to pay my family. But, I mean... You couldn't even hook up this radio. I what do you think? Right. I'm certainly not going to have you to pick up pick tomatoes. That's a little easier. I can pick tomatoes. I, <laughs> but no, I we do need to provide opportunities for them to come in and and work. As I said, it's it's in, it helps our economy to to have that labor. But in terms of the overall uh, immigrants coming into this country to to gain full time citizenship. I'm 100% supportive of that, provided they go about the legal process. Right, I mean, right. so many. I, I think everybody's on that page. Right. I mean, I don't think you know when he says the Democrats want open borders. I've never met a Democrat who said, "Yeah, just let them all in. We don't care." I mean, their their uh, level of passage may be lower, but everybody, you know, the, the the restrictions may be lower than what some others want. But everybody agrees that there has to be something in place. You can't just let. People come streaming across the border. But, of course, we help create the situation. So, anyway, moving on. The other issue I'd love to talk to you about is, and this is as you sit and talk about the president and defend policies, how hard is it to defend the policy when you are treated or we are all treated to the daily dose of lying that we get? Look, I, I as I said, I, I can filter through the alternative facts to what the actual facts are and if it's a policy that i support that i could go down a long the list of policies of him that i support is a mile long there's a few that i don't but, but do the, you but, think people but, can't get past the line to look at the policies well, sure, of course they do republicans do that's uh, that's why he's got no, no, approval no, about, approval 80 percent of the republican I'm base is about, for him right right i get that i'm talking about why did well, you roll your eyes when well, i said that <laughs> Well, because I, I, I rolled my eyes because I, yeah, you know, that's the kind of guy I am. <laughs> no, the, the, I roll, well, because that's not my point. My point is when we talk about the divisive nature of politics, there are those how do you reach people who do not, are not able to? I mean, that's the question I ask myself all the time is how can I reach someone who's automatically dead set against anything that's going to be said and will not allow the facts to enter. And you're coming at it from a different place, but with the same goal. So how do you reach out to those people and say, look, here are the facts. Never mind is lying. I mean, there are people that are never going to get past that. And I, and some of them are whoppers. I mean, I, I've taken to the point where when I hear him speak, I, I, I honestly I, I laugh because some of it is so 
over the top, and we know it's over the top. I have always had a lot of respect for the American people and voters across this country. When I've done caucuses and the primary process, I respect people to look at the facts and make up their own mind. And oftentimes, this is a situation where maybe we have one side of a story, the Democrats have another side, and I trust the people to, to make up their own mind. And in I've been in the last three presidential campaigns on the Republican side. They're looking at the various candidates and who's best on certain policies and on issues that they care about, and they make up their own mind. At the end of the day, people, you present them the facts, they're going to make up their own mind. And, and yes, what I... As long as we agree on what the facts are. As long as we agree that I'm correct on the facts, that's I'm all that matters. I'm correct on the facts. That's all that matters. No, but I think people know where they can get trusted news information. I think they do. And do you I, think he's hurt us? Anybody with, with has hurt us with the accusations of fake media and uh, enemy of the people? Traveling around the country, as I have over the past couple of years, certainly the last year during his presidency, and speaking with people has resonated with people people look as the at the media with who? who are these people these are voters across the spectrum republicans and democrats i speak at a lot of community events and they irrespective of that do you think it's made it better or worse i've unfortunately it's worse because people do look at the media as presenting false information polling shows them the approval amongst media i'm not saying i agree with it i'm not saying i agree with that because i'm a journalist at heart that's my background but i'm just saying i will give you that that we make mistakes that's we're human beings but you will own up to them them and we and we yeah and we own up to them i'm not saying i agree with what i just told you i'm saying that's what that's what i know it resonates with people but it's how the message is look if you want to so we could do do an hour on what i think's wrong with the media today there were you know when i first got into this business 80 percent of what you see reader here was owned by 20 companies today 90 percent by five right the diversity in media, the coalescing of everything has really destroyed. There are fewer reporters. There are whole parts of the federal government that go, there's not a reporter covering it. There are real problems, but that isn't the real problem, and he's not addressing the real problem. So the question is, what do you do with a guy who's not – is it more dangerous? You said it is. I know reporters that carry Jim Acosta at CNN, April Ryan, who's a friend of mine, they all have bodyguards because of what this president has said. And I've said this before, the the unfortunate thing that has come out is when facts are presented in the news media that are unfavorable, he naturally automatically calls it fake news. It's uncomfortable if he doesn't like it. it, It's fake news. And that plants the seed in people's mind that, that it's not accurate information. That is an unfortunate reality of where we are. That's how demagogues work. That's how despots work. It's it's unfortunate, but I do think people ha- understand I can go to this media outlet and I trust what, what I'm getting from them. I can go to this one and I trust that. A, a lot of people I speak with say, hey, I watch some of this network and some of this and I read this and I realize the truth is somewhere there in the middle. <laughs> God uh, bless them for that. Yeah, but a lot of times people, they will go to where they generally agree with the, the nature of the new the media and that's where they get all their information but I, like i said it's 
it's unfortunate because as you say does the media make mistakes yes they do but they will generally be the first ones to make a correction it might not be 10 10 point <laughs> font on the front page but it will be corrected yeah, it at some will point be corrected yeah you get the 72 point bodani bold when we, <laughs> we do the story you get page three the 20 point you know, yeah when uh, we make the correction uh, underneath that's, the gar- yeah. uh, underneath the garage sale yeah, that's it garage sales oh by the way we really screwed that up yeah <laughs> but we do we do correct it i mean I'm, I'm poking a little bit of fun so as we wrap up got it we could go on uh, this is very enjoyable but i i really want to go back to just one of the things that we were talking about the idea of bringing people together. At the end of the day, we live in a country ruled by the Constitution, not the Ten Commandments. Correct. And we live in a, a country where we allow people to speak what we disagree with. We're, we, that, it's not that we allow, but we, yeah, it is that we allow, but it's that we accept that people don't always agree. But at the end of the day, it's all that we're all part of one big country, yes? Yes. Amen. That's that's the you reality. Can't say amen. Yeah. <laughs> Can I get but an amen? <laughs> I um one of the things Governor Huckabee had in his office, he had a plaque. He's a bass player, by the way. Yes, and I've he's... asked his daughter on a number of occasions to get him out to play with my band. I would I love to bet have you him. he would do it. He, I... He's a bass guitar player. I would love to have him out doing it. But he had a sign that, and actually, he still has it in his office. It's often in the background of his live shots. But it says, "Come, let us reason together." And he would refer to that often when he was governor. There's very contentious issues that would be debating. And the idea of let's all come together and let's have a rational, reasonable, respectful disagreement. And let's as long as you see it my way. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Okay. But but that's I, I think if we could all if if more people could get to the mindset of, you know, let's reason this out and let's talk this out and agree to disagree and respectfully disagree think we'd certainly be a lot more successful you know come let us reason together it wasn't his quote but i know <laughs> it wasn't his but it was one that but he adopted I, it I he got used you. that was his that's how we approached uh governing well that would be interesting if we could get back to there so alice listen thank you for we promised to come back again we'll discuss i will things. i will fun, it was fun. fun thanks uh again the show is just ask the question i am brian karam thanks for listening